<laughs> Hello. How are y'all doing, huh? Are you doing good? So I want to welcome you to tonight's edition of Bible News Radio. As you know, I'm your sweet and lovable host. Yeah, I am. Debatable to some, but not many. And uh, I want to thank you for tuning in tonight's show. You know, one of the things that we're going to talk about tonight is we're going to talk about biblical worldview and what is coming down right now in the West. Many years ago, there was a guy named Emmanuel, uh, Trist- Tristan Emmanuel, who is a preacher in Canada. And one of the things that he did was he would talk about the sin of homosexuality from a biblical worldview. And I, I would have to say probably 14, 15 years ago, um, he was very prominent. He was somebody out there on the forefront in Canada talking about these issues. Um, and Canada is just north of us, as you guys know. And they're probably, I'm going to say, six to seven years ahead of us when it comes to crushing Christianity up there. Um, so tonight what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in Canada and how in particular one church has literally now gone underground in Canada. That was good. That was good on the music. In Canada. Anyway, um, and you know, I always say, look, if you if you watch what's going on in Canada, it's coming here to America. And it's close. It's close. I want to tell you something. Recently, I was challenged to start memorizing the Word of God again. And I can honestly tell you that I have spent probably more time in Psalm 119 than I have probably any other passage of Scripture in in my life, right? My whole Christian walk. Um, It probably took me, I'm not going to exaggerate, but I'm going to say it's pretty close, a couple hundred times reading the first eight verses of that Psalm before I got it down. Uh, because it, it's just, I'm, you know, I'm old. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm not that old, but I, I'm older than I was when I was first saved. Anyway, long story short, uh, I joined um, a couple scripture memory groups on Facebook because I thought, hey, I want to be around people like me who are trying to memorize the Word of God because what if someday my Bible is taken away? Uh, this is not a far-fetched idea. This has happened everywhere in the world, all over the world. And to think that we're so arrogant that it couldn't happen here in America, gotta be a little naive. I think it could. And what was interesting, and that's why I share this, what's interesting to me about this is, and I was telling Randall about this today because I thought it was funny. Not funny in the ha-ha way, but funny in the like, hey, I'm awake way. And not in the woke way. Like, hey, I'm woke. No, we're actually awake. <laughs> um, so I want to read you this conversation. I'm going to withhold names because these people didn't give me permission to share their uh, stuff. Uh, but I got to tell you, um, I'm going to read this stuff. So, so this person says in the scripture memory group, they say, listen to this. They say, Uh, And this was posted in March, so just about a month ago. They wrote, If any of us end up together in jail, 
I hope you all realize that I'm going to make you sit still long enough to teach me every passage of scripture you know, and also have me teach you every passage of scripture I know. In fact, I'm probably going to be a tyrant about it. A whole bunch of people hit the laughing emoji and the heart and all this other stuff. And then uh, and then the comments came rolling in. So this, these were the comments. One per, So the first comment was, uh, then they'll put you in solitary. And then uh, that woman responds, we'll be discreet. And people hit laughing emoji. And then this guy responds, amen. Thankfully, I can identify as a woman. And then we can be cellmates and memorize scripture together. <laughs> that was a guy saying that to a woman. And, of course, everybody hit the laughing emoji on that. And then this guy says, amen, sounds wonderful. And then another guy says, I'm told that is what they do in China. And then um, they link to a video. And then it says, then a woman said, it may come to that. And another woman said, I'll memorize the epistles and you all can memorize the gospels. And then this person said, who will do Leviticus? <laughs> Uh, those of you who know the Bible know that that's funny. Like, okay, let's see. We're all going to be thrown in jail together. <laughs> we have the whole Bible memorized, but who gets Leviticus? Who wants to memorize Leviticus? So all these people laughed about that. Um, and then it says here, um, this woman says, I've often wondered how much of the word we in this group could recapitulate if needed. And... Uh, another person said, I'm sure it's much more than if you took a random sampling of people from evangelical churches, but still likely far from enough. I do hope we could do at least the whole New Testament, though. And then this person says, God, my nose itches. Now my nose itches. Anyway, it says, I have Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, and a rather rusty seven chapters of John's Gospel in the New King James Version. And with a bit of brushing up Philippians in the NIV. What do the rest of you have? This person says, maybe start a new post and people can add passages that they know and, and that haven't been listed yet. And then this guy says, list every verse of the Bible and we can each, each check which ones we know. LOL. <laughs> Always a guy. Um, and then this person says, I don't have as many books memorized, but I have many chapters memorized. Ephesians 1 through 4, James 1, Philippians 1 and 2, Revelation 4, John 3, Psalm 1, 23, 98 through 100, 103, 145, 150, Isaiah 53, 1 John 1, Romans 6, and Hebrews 11 and 12. That's one person who memorized all that. Then large po portions of chapters and then a bunch of singles working on Ephesians um, and some other stuff. And then the last person wrote, if only I could remember all of what I've memorized, I do regular review, but I have to let passages go after a while as I learn more or it gets too time consuming and overwhelming, but maybe we can all help each other with the passages we only partly remember. So it kind of ends on the like, you know, hey, we can help each other kind of do this, but this conversation that I read delighted my heart. It made, it made me smile for a couple reasons. Number one, um, somebody made a joke about memorizing Leviticus and, you know, way we have to do this. Um, but number two, these people are aware that what they're doing could someday benefit them 
for the future should they be imprisoned for the gospel and should they have their Bible taken away from them. Um, you know, it, it's, it's something that a lot of people, a lot of Christians actually don't take very seriously. They don't take um, their, their Christian walk seriously because if they did, they would take time to get to know the Word of God and to study it. And I tell you, I have, I have, I have, um, I have a burden for the body because um, I know that within the body of Christ, in the church in particular, when you go to an assembly of believers, that there are tares among the wheat. I was talking to a friend of mine about that earlier tonight. Um, and so we know that there are unbelievers within the body, right? We know that according to the book of Jude, that they crept in unaware. And kind of the picture that you get when you're reading Jude is that these false teachers, they kind of crept in in the back, through the back door of the church. They came in, they mingled among the believers. Nobody knew, knew that they were there, but they're there to divide and conquer, to um, sow discord among the brethren. And I was doing this study on witchcraft, which at some point I'm going to get back to doing that. And they come in, they, they introduce destructive heresies that are that easily lead people astray if those people are not grounded in the word of god so you have to you know you have to be grounded in the word of god i was talking to a friend of mine another friend of mine earlier today and you know i said to her i said you know what would you like me to talk about she said how about some of the fundamentals how about some of the fundamentals of of the faith. And part of me was like, in my head, I'm, I was kind of going, well, that's kind of elementary. <laughs> but then the other part of me was like, after I saw this study from Barna, I was like, well, maybe we need to get back to the fundamentals. Maybe we need to start in kindergarten all over again. And so I want to share with you some sad news. I believe it's tragic. Um, because it's out there and, um, this is over on harbingersdaily.com. Um, and it's a website titled only 6% of Americans follow a biblical worldview. Now think about that just for a second. 6% of Americans <clears throat> follow a biblical worldview, according to this research. Let's read it. It says here, according to a new study led by the noted Christian pollster, George Barna, which by the way, in case you didn't know, George Barna has some controversial things that sometimes happen with his research. So I wouldn't necessarily personally hold this as the standard of the best research, but in the world of Christianity, he's the big name, okay? So, um... So it says here, only 6% of Americans adhere to a biblical worldview, while 88% borrow from multiple and sometimes contradictory worldviews in order to form their beliefs and habits. The American Worldview Inventory 2021, which I actually have the whole thing here, I'm going to look at that in a second, conducted in February among a representative 
sample of 2,000 adults by Barna and the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University found the most prevalent belief system for Americans is syncretism, a cut-and-paste approach of making sense of and responding to life. The study compared seven worldviews, biblical theism or a biblical worldview, secular humanism, postmodernism, moralistic therapeutic deism, nihilism, Marxism, along with critical race theory, which, by the way, in case you didn't know, that's the one that the media is constantly pushing through, through us right now, and Eastern mysticism or the New Age, which, by the way, the New Age is the one that is the most prevalent, in my opinion, in Christian books that are being promoted all over the place. The big winner, of course, was none of the above. Barna said in a news release announcing the study results, in total, almost 9 out of 10 U.S. adults, 88%, have an impure, unrecognizable worldview that is a blending of ideas from multiple perspectives. And by the way, I should add that there's 2,000 people in this sample, right? It's common knowledge among researchers that if you have a sample size of 100, that's considered valid. Um, I've shared research that uh, the, the Center for Biblical Engagement did with 400,000 people, showing that if you read the Bible four days and more a week, your life is consistent. It's completely different than if you read it three days a week or less, where there is no discernible difference between you and the world. So we have a couple thousand people here. That's a valid size. That's a valid sample size. Um, it says here, often respondents leaned toward a particular worldview more than others, but only 12% would be considered adherents of one specific worldview, meaning both beliefs and behavior corresponded to a given belief system. And I, I got to talk about this just for a minute, okay? So, beliefs and behavior, okay? Now, I part of me feels like Am I really going to talk about this? Because I kind of feel like I'm talking down to people. Like, okay, what do you believe? And how do you, you know, how do you know what a person believes? Let's talk about that a minute. How do you know what a person believes? Now, when you tell somebody you're a Christian, there's automatically put in somebody's mind that, oh, you're a Christian? You believe a certain way. You behave a certain way because people have this idea that if you're a Christian, you have certain behaviors that follow. Just as an example, um, you're a Christian, so most people think, well, you don't drink alcohol, right? You don't have sex outside of marriage. <laughs> um, you don't steal on your taxes. You know, you don't gamble, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Christians have this reputation, well, you know, well, if you're a Christian, you're holier than thou. It means you think you're better than everybody else. And you're, you're very judgmental as well. I mean, that, that is kind of a stereotype of what people think of when they, when they think of a Christian. Um, but the reason they think these things is because a lot of people will claim the name of Christian, but then they don't live up to what Christians are supposed to represent. I mean, if you're, you know, in the book of Acts, Christians were originally called followers of the way. 
they were then called Christians, and that just means a little Christ. You're supposed to act like a little, like a little Jesus, you know, like, hey, there's little Jesus among us, you know. Um, and you would, Jesus said, they will know you by your love. And yet the world paints Christians as judgmental, hateful, bigoted, um, narrow-minded, uh, which I would say, yes, Christians are narrow-minded. Um, in fact, I would say Christians are the most narrow-minded people because the path is narrow for those who are going to get to heaven, right? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's pretty narrow. Not all roads lead to God. I guess I've heard people say, well, yeah, it's kind of true. All roads lead to God. We're just taking different roads to get there. Okay, I will I will say, if you want to be technical, all roads lead to God, but that God will send people to different destinations in the end. So yeah, we're all going to be accountable to God, but God's going to go, okay, you're in hell and you're not, you know? So in a sense, we're narrow-minded, but if Christians knew what they believed, they know why they believe it, and then they live according to their belief, then you have congruency. Your, your people are congruent. They're like, okay, this is what I believe. This is what I live. Um, but it says here in this research only 12% would be considered adherents of one specific worldview, meaning both beliefs and behavior corresponded to a given belief system. So here's another thing. So belief. I believe as a, fo as a follower of Jesus that if people don't come to Christ and receive the free gift of eternal life that he gave us when he died on the cross, right? We don't believe and receive him. Look at John 1, 12. I believe that person who rejects that goes to hell, okay? Now, if I really believe that, I'm going to tell people, I'm going to warn them that there is a wrath coming, there is a judgment coming where they're going to go to hell. But you'll, you'll see a lot of Christians who will say, well, I don't believe heaven or hell exists, or I just believe heaven exists and, you know, a loving God wouldn't send anybody to hell. And so thereby my life, I don't, I don't want to tell anybody, I don't want to offend anybody because I don't want people to hate me because they're going to think I'm intolerant because I'm talking about hell. Well, even Penn Gillette, who is a pretty well-known atheist, um, he even admits that he respects Christians who go out and evangelize and share the gospel because he said if he believed that people would be gone to hell, he would definitely be all over it and telling people, yeah, you're going to go to hell, right? And think about this. When was the last time someone shared the gospel with you, right? When was the last time, like, and I, and I asked this years ago in California, I was at, um, I think it was a women of faith conference and I was walking around outside doing kind of on the spot interviews. And I, I, I had this woman come up to me. She didn't know who I was and I didn't have a press pass or anything on. So she really didn't know that I was with the media. And she asked me, she goes, do you, is this your first time at this conference? I go, yeah, it is actually. And she's like, do you know Jesus? I mean, she went on full head on, like sharing the gospel with me. 
And I I played along for a while and I asked her questions, kind of played a little antagonistic, like, well, I don't know, you know, just to see if she could, if she could, you know, um, defend what she was preaching at me. And then at the end, I kind of, I said, look, I'm a believer and you did a great job. And I'm, I'm very thankful that you could answer my questions and that you cared enough about me to share with me that truth. You, you love me enough to tell me that I could go to hell if, if, if I don't receive the greatest gift of what Jesus did for me. Um, so that's just something to think about. When was the last time somebody shared the gospel with you? You know, there's other research in the past I've read that says it takes an average of seven times for, the, for a person to hear the gospel presented to them before they'll uh, either completely reject it or accept it. So think about that, okay? All right, the article goes on to say, among the seven major worldviews cited, the biblical worldview at 6% was the most prevalent. However, with 94% of Americans essentially rejecting the biblical worldview as their preferred way to think and live, placing first in a race in which few people cross the finish line is hardly a victory. Barna added, the study's criteria required participants to both believe and practice a certain number of tenets of a given worldview to fall in line with that worldview. So even though 31% of the respondents lean either strongly or moderately toward biblical theism, only 6% satisfied the criteria in both belief and behavior. The next most prevalent worldview in belief and behavior was secular humanism at a whopping 2%, followed by moralistic therapeutic deism, postmodernism, and nihilism, each with 1%. Marxists, according to the study, criteria make up only a half percent, as do New Agers, which I kind of find hard to believe, but that's what it says. The 88% practicing syn um, syncretism may be sympathetic to biblical Christianity or a type of moral deism, 39%, but their overall beliefs and behaviors show a mishmash of worldviews woven together to make sense of the world. Now listen to this part, okay? This is, pay attention to this. This is, the this is worth noting, okay? Barna says the study shows that critical role doctrine and worldview should play in the church and how, quote, Knowing a few Bible verses, attending church services, and praying won't get the job done. Okay? I'm going to say that again. Knowing a few Bible verses, attending church services, and praying won't get the job done. So, if you open your version app, and you're reading your one verse a day, and you go to church, and you pray... That isn't going to give you a biblical worldview is what this is saying. It's not going to impact you in any way, really, enough to have you hold a belief system that would impact your behavior. And you know what I'm going to tell you? I know this isn't a um, probably a popular thing to say. Well, then again, that's never stopped me. But what I'm going to tell you is I think part of the problem and, I'm, and I love you. So I'm saying this because I love you. I think part of the problem is people are just lazy. People don't want to take the time to invest in their spiritual health. They don't want to take the time to sit and read the word. 
because it's time consuming and it's way easier to flip YouTube or your TV or whatever on or a teacher that's supposedly a Christian on some TBN network or, or whatever Christian network you want to do. It's way easier to listen to somebody tell you something you'd like to hear or you think that it's biblical, but it's not because you're not opening the word of God. You're not reading it. And I say this with with a lot of compassion and a lot of love in my heart because, um, because I've been there. I get it. I, I know what it's like to immerse myself in Christian media. Um, I've done this for 17 years. I could tell you who the, you know, the leader thinkers, the people on my show that I've had, the hours and hours, thousands of hours I've spent listening to Christian radio. And when I, when I really sit back and I, I, I analyze what happened, where did I grow spiritually in terms of knowledge of God's word? If I wasn't taking the time to really dig into the word and to take the time to memorize scripture, there is like no fruit. And I was deceived, flat out, self-deceived. You know, the word of God warns us about that. It says to examine ourselves, to make sure that we're in the faith. And it also says be careful that we do not deceive ourselves because it's very easy to do. Our heart is deceitfully wicked. You know, I, I know the world likes to go, well, we're all good. No, 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 we're not. Um, you know, I'll, I, here's how I know we're not good. Because let me ask you this. If every thought of yours was put on a board and everybody could see it 24 hours a day, do you think you would want everybody to see your thoughts 24 hours a day? If you're normal, you would probably say, uh-uh, no way. I know I wouldn't. So, no, our hearts are deceitful, okay? And that means we have the potential to deceive ourselves. And if you don't think so, have you ever been a woman on a diet? Sure you have, well, except you're a guy. But if, you're, if you've been a woman on a diet, have you ever heard that, uh, let's see, that, um, you know, I'm going to eat that cupcake on Saturday because on Saturday it doesn't have any calories, right? These, this is the type of self-deception we like to engage in we like to um like to go you know what this is you know it's okay you know really because of that anyway last paragraph in this article it says this our studies show that that americans are neither deep nor sophisticated thinkers to which when i read that i said duh in my head Most people seem more interested in living a life of comfort and convenience than one of logical consistency and wisdom. Our children will continue to suffer the consequences of following in the unfortunate footsteps of their parents and elders, people who are willing to fight for a more reasonable way of thinking and acting can make a difference, but it will be slow progress. So that is the latest, and I will show you here um, on this handout. I'm going to find it right here. I'm just going to hold this up to the camera. It, it, you, I, you may or may not be able to read it, but this is the um, the chart. It looks kind of blurry, doesn't it? Um, well, anyway, I will I will link I will link this here in in on my Twitter account and I'll put this on Facebook so you can read the article for yourself. Um, This should break our hearts though because 
What does that say the state of the church in discipling people has been? It's been pretty bad. I mean, you know, we're, it, you know, it's, it's sad. It's really sad. There, and there's no excuse for it. Yeah, you can throw that up there if you want. You might have to make it bigger. Um, so it's sad. It's very sad. 6% of adults have a biblical worldview, you know. So, so to put this in a picture form, if there's 100 people who are Christians, you'd have to go through and find six people in that group who had a biblical worldview. Like, for example, let's talk about homosexuality. That's a good one. So six of those 100 people would believe that homosexuality is a sin, whereas the other 94 would go, eh, whatever, you know, it's, it's okay. Who am I to judge who I, who I can love and, and all that stuff, um, just as one example of a moral biblical issue. Um, that is tragic, and it should not be that way because the Word of God is very clear on that topic. So... Randall, do you want to weigh in on that? Last night, I didn't give you much to say. I, I'd like, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, on that research. Well, I, I would guess that that's pretty accurate as far as the, you know, syncretism, uh, sort of a people uses buffet approach to morality and spirituality. I mean, we're uh, you referenced number of times the the book by Greg Kokel. Mm-hmm. Borrowing a phrase from Francis Schaeffer, I believe. Yeah. That uh, relativism, feet firmly planted in midair. And, you know, relativism has been the predominant, you know, worldview, really, at least in the West. Uh, you know, Europe and, and the Americas for some decades now. Uh, that is just this buffet approach to, yeah, I like this. Well, yeah, I, I believe, well, most of the Bible, except I don't like the talk of this. I don't like this. I believe, you know, Jesus said this, but this part is probably made up. And, you know, this this kind of cherry picking. And then, oh, I like this kind of stuff. And we'll find people that say the Bible believers talking about reincarnation and talking about karma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Things borrowed from Hinduism. Right. And, um and then they'll uh, state things, um, you know, throw in some things like God helps those who help themselves. And Ben Franklin said that. And then... Who was a deist. And throw in a little bit of uh, Mormon theology. And, you know, just uh, from here and there, just, it's, yeah, it's syncretism. It's just, yeah, I like that, I like that, I like that. And then here's my worldview that... That I feel like I'm an independent thinker, but really just borrowed this, that, and the other thing, uh, just from the things around me, and that was the, and that was the whole thing. Uh, what we find in the Old Testament with the chosen people, the Israelites, and and not God not wanting them to intermarry it wasn't a racial thing, and people borrowed that and either for their side to talk about racial segregation or used it to attack racial segregation. But it was about a worldview thing. It was about uh, keeping them unspotted from the world, basically. That there were these uh, pagan 
worldviews and religions and practices all around them where they were and to um, you know minimize that influence I mean they were living in there in the right. and right Canaan and there's going to be some influence but to limit the influence of that and um, you know we brought up proverbs earlier today and just kind of a deals that is if in fact if you read um deuteronomy uh basically prophesies everything that's going to happen to in the watering down of the oracles of god and they're going astray and eventually going to captivity etc but in that this is okay someday you're going to want a king and you're going to demand a king and it's like okay and you'll get a king but the king should be this and that. The king should have to read the book, write out the book of the law and read it every year and shouldn't multiply wives or horses or gold or whatever. And then we went from Saul to David to Solomon, just the third king. Mm-hmm. And and right. he's doing, he's multiplying horses and gold and wives and women and it just, it didn't last very long. And then, although there were, then the kingdom split, and and all of those kings were a mixed bag. Um, all that to say, you know, the having a biblical worldview is important because, and staying on top of it, basically, because just the way we are, our hearts are prone to wander. You know, desperately wicked, above all deceitful. They are. And so... Have you read the last verse in Psalm 119? I have. <laughs> but can I quote it for you right now? But no, I cannot. He but, says he wandered. Yeah. Like a sheep. Bah. Yeah. Anyway, you know, all we like sheep have gone to our... Turned our own way, you know? Right. Um. So... Anyway, so this doesn't surprise me at all, you know, that it doesn't take long from 1963 when prayer is kicked out of school, you know, and there was the Bible first and then prayer and then, you know, and then, and then even though it happened earlier, it was in the 80s, I believe, that the Supreme Court kicked out the Ten Commandments couldn't be posted anywhere because people, the students might venerate them and, uh, feel we like they have to obey them. We wouldn't want that. Yeah, we wouldn't want yeah. Yeah. Ten Commandments. So, anyway, it it doesn't take but really a generation to... I mean, well, heck, we look, we look at the... Just the whole Exodus generation, and, and they were, you know, within that generation, witness these miracles... Ended up being people without faith, didn't inherit the promised land. 40 years, they're wandering, and they come back, and the next generation is is pretty much clueless on things. Yeah. And anyway. Well, that's how it is now, I think. Yeah, so I'm just, I'm rambling, but so, that's my thought. Those so, are my thoughts. I'm, I'm not surprised by the results of this study. Disappointed, I, yes. Surprised, no. I love you, bare face. You're my, you're, you're the pity. You. Make my heart beat, man. Yeah, you do, as you know. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I um, I want to tell you, I, for, I, I tend to forget doing this. Um, look, Bible News Radio is a nonprofit. We do a lot of stuff besides this show, and I want to tell you a couple of things that we do. 
And one of the things that we do is we have a Facebook group. It's a Daily Disciples Facebook group in there every day. We have two people reading from the Word of God and sharing their thoughts as they they read the Word. The reason that's there is because people struggle with reading God's Word. And look, I'm going to tell you, I think the biggest reason why people struggle because Satan doesn't want you to read the Word of God. That's why. And I really do think that the devil tries to discourage us and he gets us distracted and he'll do everything that he can to make sure that you fall asleep or whatever. And he, he distracts people from God's Word. Well, become a part of our Daily Disciples Facebook group because in there you can go in and watch somebody read the Word of God and you're going to have that touch with people. You can comment, you can edify one another, um, and I want you in there, okay? The other thing I have is I have two text message lists. I have one where I text out a message. It tells you when people are reading in the Daily Disciples group and when our program is on, okay? Uh, that one, you get a text message pretty much every day because there's people reading in the Daily Disciples group every day. All you got to do is text Bible news, those two words together, to the number 33222. And if you watch the scroller down here, you'll see it, 33222. My other text message list is for Bible reading accountability. If you're somebody who, you know, you want a little nudge, you want a little poke, like, hey, did you read the Bible today? Where did you read in the Bible today? You know, that's basically what that text is. Text Team Unstuck to 33222. Same number you put in the number in this, you know, like if you're going to put in a phone number, you put 33222 in your text message, then that keyword, and then you send it, you'll be subscribed to my text message list and you will get a text message from me in the morning asking you where you read. Okay. Along with Bible reading accountability, I'm also doing a Bible reading God time together group as well. And um, my next thing is going to be starting in a couple of days. So if you want information on that, um, message me um, and watch my email. If you're not on my email list, go to our website, biblenewsradio.com. Sign up for our Bible News Radio email list. and I'm going to be putting info in that. I don't send out as much email. I got to work on that because there's only one of me. Um, <laughs> I can only do so much, but I'm working on it. Um, and I'm going to send out information on that. This is a high-level accountability group, um, and and you know what? You may or may not want to be a part of it because it takes commitment, and that's what accountability is. And I'm going to tell you something. Being accountable, if you are accountable, it will change your life. If you're not, you're not going to change. You know, I have a food coach. Okay, I, I think I shared this a couple days ago. I have a food coach. I text her everything I eat. I don't like it, just so you know. I do not like texting her everything I eat. I hate it. In fact, I hate it because I, you know, it's just like, I don't want you to know, you know. But that co that's what I need to help me hit my goal and to be accountable with where I'm at with, with my eating and stuff. Well, this is spiritual eating. And if you're not spiritually eating, you're starving to death and you're dehydrated and you're, you know, you're weak, Right and you're lethargic, and you don't have that excitement that you need for Christ, um, and you don't have the desire to read his word, or to study it, or memorize it. So, um, so take a step. It's free. All you gotta do is just join the text message list. But the Bible reading accountability, there is a cost to that. That will be in my email. 
The other thing is, if you like what we do and you've benefited from our show, then I would love it if you partnered with us, um, you know, and giving a monthly donation to our show. And you can do that also on our website, biblenewsradio.com forward slash give. Your, t- your gift is tax deductible, uh, which is a nice thing. And um, it will help Randall and I to continue to do what we're doing, you know, pay for the technology, upgrade some of our technology, um, and a laborer is worthy. So, you know, whatever God lays on your heart, especially if you're somebody that watches, let me just appeal to you. If you're watching and you've never donated to our show, but you've benefited, please consider giving back because that would really help us out. And then lastly, the other thing is, um, if you're somebody who um, is in need of other type of support um, besides Bible reading accountability. What I have found is that often people that I work with in that realm are struggling with other areas of their life and they might need some coaching, right? And I find that this is the case and I've, I've had the opportunity to coach a number of you um, I do coaching as well, um, and that is that is at a fee as well um, that we can discuss when you decide you want to reach out and get some biblical coaching. Of course, I'm a I'm a clinically trained marriage counselor and therapist, so I have more than what's needed to be a coach. Um, and I would be honored if that's something that you're interested in. Um, and you consider some me somebody that might want to help you, then consider that as well. And I can help you there. Those That is our wheelhouse. That is what we're doing. Um, and I have to tell you, I'm excited about what God's doing because he's doing a lot and I'm seeing people's lives changed. But you got to make the commitment. You got to step out in faith and you have to remember the slight edge. The slight edge is simply easy to do easy not to do. It's really easy to do certain things, but it's also easy not to do. And I'm going to tell you something, the slight edge is doing it, not doing it, not not doing it, right? It's really easy for me to eat food. It's hard for me to send my friend a text message about it. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It's really easy for me not to do that. And if I don't do that, then I'm going to slip, right? So what I'm saying is that if you're serious, that's what I want. I want serious people who are ready to be unstuck and move forward and get real and get going. Because you know what? You have people in your life that you can touch and you can influence for Christ, and that you can help, and and you don't have to stay stuck. I mean, that's a choice that you make, you know. You can wallow, or you can move on, um, and, you know, my hope and my desire is that you move on, that, you, that you're like, hey, I've had enough of this. Yeah, we're all hurt. We all deal with stuff, but sometimes you need a little love, and you need a little coaching. You need a little counsel to help you move forward because you can't see things when you have logs in your eyes. You know, you need to be able to work through that with the Lord. And sometimes he uses people, you know, and the Bible says that there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. So uh, counseling or coaching, whatever you want to call it, is never a bad thing unless you get somebody who's bad at it. (laughs) But I'm not bad at it. 
and and I know that it's a gift um, and so that's that's out there as well okay I'm gonna wrap this up here and I'm gonna go to this next story about about the underground church now a lot has happened in Canada and our brothers and sisters up in Canada are now going underground. And earlier this week, a friend of our audience, a friend in our audience, mailed me a another program where there was a man associated, I believe, with this who did a three-hour interview about what happened. I haven't finished it, but what I will say is that this is not a shock to me, but it should be a warning to us. So Harbinger's Daily article says here grace life pastor takes church underground the church isn't a building it's a blood-bought people canadian pastor james coates of grace life church held services this weekend normally this would be an unremarkable fact but given he was recently been released from jail only to see his church fenced off and shut down by authorities it's made this worship service all the more don't hate me randall impactful (laughs) earlier today Grace Life published their service online with congregates' faces blurred out of the picture. Pastor Coates greeted those in attendance at the, quote, undisclosed location, unquote, by saying, quote, they can take our facility, but we'll just find another one, unquote. A few moments later, two gentlemen who were only identified in the video as Joe and John came forward to lead the congregation in song. One of the men began by saying, did you ever think you'd be part of the underground church? A few songs in theirs, a beautiful rendition of It Is Well With My Soul, in which the congregation can be clearly heard singing despite their profiles being intentionally blurred out so as not to be identified on video. After singing concluded, Pastor Coates took to the microphone to deliver his sermon. Coates said he had been planning to preach from Psalm 56, but said he had a nagging feeling that it wasn't the right psalm for the upcoming service. After the church was shut down, he said, It was confirmation he needed to change course. Where did he end up? We need a psalm more appropriate for an occasion like this. We need to hear a Jesus is Lord kind of sermon, he explained. That led Coates to Psalm 2, which he says, As we read Psalm 2, I want you to consider that what we see taking place in this psalm, though it really describes something yet future to us, is the sense in which this is taking right now at present, Coates said. Then he went on to read Psalm 2, which says, I'm going to read it. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The, The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession." Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. 
kiss the son lest he be angry and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little blessed are all they that put their trust in him he titled the sermon a vain thing and after explaining the context of psalm 2 went on to discuss how psalm 2 paralleled today in various ways he said governments all over the world are counseling together in a unified effort to oppress the people they govern in that context, those who are faithful, those who follow Christ and confess that Jesus is Lord are going to be the ones they have to sil silence and get out of the way because everyone else is going to fall in line. It's going to be the Lord's people who stand and herald him as king and call governments to submit to him as king and to govern in accord with the very word that will judge them on judgment day. Even as we think about our own government, we have called them to their duty. Unmistakably, we have directed them to their duty. They know they're going to be judged in accord with the word of God. The word of God is going to be the standard with which they are assessed and evaluated and still continue to persevere in their obstinacy. That is defiance. After the sermon and prayer, the service closed with the singing of How Great Thou Art and a word from 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17, which reads, Now may our Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Officers with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police came out in mass Sunday as protesters descended on Grace Life Church in Alberta, Canada, where police barricaded the worship center last week, barring congregants access to the church. In a statement issued to the media Sunday, the RCMP said it was on the scene in Edmonton to preserve, quote, peace and, quote, man maintain public safety, claiming, as it has been barring the free exercise of religion, that it recognizes, quote, everyone has a right to peaceful freedom of, of expression. One video circulating on social media showed what appeared to be a great deal of RCMP officers at Grace Life on Sunday. So Real Canuck News wrote 200 cops for church. And you guys can watch these videos. I will also post this on the page. Um, we don't want to take the time to, to play it here. But but it's, it's amazing. It says here, California-based pastor John MacArthur commended the members of Grace Life as they have begun meeting privately amid a continued government crackdown on their freedom to hold worship services. In an email to Faithwire Monday morning, Grace Life Associate Pastor Jake Spence uh, confirmed the church is meeting at an undisclosed location and broadcasting its services on YouTube, which, by the way, is also linked in that article. Amazing to have an underground church in Canada, said MacArthur, pastor of Grace Community Church in Sun Valley. This because the government of Alberta triple fenced the church in and locked it so people couldn't get there. The American preacher said there is now a massive outcry of support for the Canadian church as it continue, continues to face intense restrictions. Um, and then there's a couple more videos. And it talks about here how they are Alberta Health Services erected the three-layer fence around the Edmonton Church building last Wednesday. And on Sunday, locals disturbed by the raid and subsequent closure tore down the chain link barrier as they protest the government and, and police. Somewhere between three and 400 demonstrators reportedly showed up at the church's facility Sunday and began singing Christian hymns. 
the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, the law firm representing Grace Life and its formerly jailed pastor James Coates said in a statement that while they appreciate the public outpouring of support to fully open churches in Alberta, Grace Life congregants did not participate in the demonstration outside the facility. Grace Life Church has no control of our church or grounds at this time, read the statement. The church grounds are fully under the responsibility and control of the RCMP and Alberta Health Services. The closing of the Grace Life facility has understandably resulted in significant public outrage and caused even larger crowds to gather in one place. Albertans have a constitutional right to assembly, associate, and worship. It continued, by taking the measure that government has while the matter is still pending before the courts, that Alberta government has created an even more divisive situation. MacArthur noted that out of the 4.4 million people living in Alberta, and again, this is Canada, the Providence has recorded 2,013 COVID-19 deaths, more than half of which were people aged 80 years and older. Citing these statistics, MacArthur said that Albertan government has no legitimate reason to forcibly shutter Grace Life for continuing to hold worship services in defiance of an Alberta Health Services order, mandating the church limit its attendance to just 15% of its facility's total occupancy. This is a first for the Western world, MacArthur said, to have the government lock out believers from a church. And don't miss that, okay? As protesters began tearing down the fencing around Grace Life, which was allegedly first approved by Alberta Health Minister Tyler Shandro, uh, RCMP officers starting putting the barrier back up, according to a report from Western Standard. The outlet noted that dozens of RCMP cruisers blocked access to the roads leading to the Grace Life Worship Center. Shandro, it should be noted, has denied approving the barricade. Ahead of his sermon Sunday, MacArthur read a letter from Coates, a graduate of the seminary affiliated with Grace Community Church. That would be the Master's Seminary, in case you're wondering. Thanking the California congregation for its steadfast support of him and Grace Life. The provincial government has dropped most of its charges against Coates, who was released from jail in late March after spending a little more than a month behind bars. The pastor does, however, still face a fine of $1,500 and a charge for violating health orders on capacity limits. His trial is scheduled to begin May 3rd, but government officials are attempting to delay the court hearings. John Carpe of the Justice Center is arguing there's no reason for a delay because the government has known for many months that it would be called to make the case in court for its burdensome lockdowns and COVID-19 restrictions. In a statement issued last week, Carpe said the government has had more than a year to assemble proper medical and scientific evidence to justify lockdowns and does not need more time. He went on to rebuke the restrictions as unconscionable and completely undemocratic. Why is the government afraid of tough questions, Carpe asked, and why in our 13th month of lockdowns with three months notice of the trial date set for May 3rd, does the government require until July 2021 to assemble medical and scientific evidence? Um, and, and there's a little bit more, but I'm not going to read that last paragraph. But you get the point here, right? You get the point. And my point in sharing this is that people who are 
thinking that there is no connection between COVID and between what the government and, you know, it's happening all over the world. Um, what's happening in Canada is coming to America. It's already here. You're just not hearing about it as much. Um, you know, what's happening in California, just as an example, completely insane, completely. It's unjust. It's insane. Um, and yet Americans for so long have thought that we are immune from this type of um, persecution, for lack of a better word, because it is persecution. I mean, did you ever think that we would be shut out of the church, you know? But here's the other thing, you know, I think of, this is also, I believe the Lord is separating the sheep and the goats, and I think his judgment, and that's the last thing I want to say here. I know we're running out of time. I'm just going to read this headline here. Over on um, World Net Daily, there's a quick article here. It says, Franklin Graham says God's judgment is coming. I just believe that the only hope for our nation is God. Well, this is nothing new. God's judgment is coming. Um, and I'm going to just read the first part. It says, what's happened politically in our country is a disgrace. What took place in the last election, it's wrong, but it, it's happened. But I just believe that the only hope for our nation is God, he said. Starnes, a nationally syndicated radio host, asked Graham, who also is CEO of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, how a divided nation can unite again. Graham pointed to prayer. Christians need to get on their Christians need to get on their knees and pray that God would intervene and somehow save this nation or give us more time because I believe God's judgment is coming. He condemned the Democrats' move to add four justices to the Supreme Court, which is widely viewed as an attempt to shift the court to the left. Did you know that was going on? We just need to pray that God will intervene and stop them from doing this. Anyway, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But I think you get the point. And I've said this for years. The minute we started, first of all, Roe versus Wade warrants God's judgment, okay? I mean, that. Just that alone. But when you begin to legitimize homosexuality and, and actually advocate for it within the body of Christ and then at the national level overturn the will of the people and have the Supreme Court say it's marriage... God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, just saying. And um, the apathy in the body of Christ with that issue is palpable. And it's the reason that we're in the mess that we're in, right? And so, yes, prayer is part of that. Prayer is part of the, re the repentance thing. But frankly, the research I started to show off with is another part of it. It's getting people who are going to be serious about the word of God and getting it hidden in their hearts and making disciples, right? You can pray as much as you want, but if you don't know the word of God, you're not making disciples, okay? Jesus told the original disciples, go thee, go thee therefore out there into the world and make disciples. How is the gospel going to get preached all over the world? Not by prayer but by making disciples and baptizing them in his name, right? You make a disciple, you can change a nation. You make a disciple, you can change a church. You make a disciple, you can change a family. You make a disciple, you can change the world, right? So that's 
part of our problem. And one of the things that I have never seen or heard, frankly, from people like Franklin Graham, etc., is I haven't heard that. I have not heard them say, oh, we need to disciple. We need to mentor people. We need to get them in God's word. We need to show them the truth. Because I'm going to tell you something. God sent his word and it will heal you. You know, it will change your life if you read it. It will change your life if you receive it. And it will change your life if you share it and memorize it. It's the number one thing the devil wants to keep you from is the written word of God. And yet Jesus said when he was being tempted by the devil, man shall not live by, by, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know, the people, the believers who are being persecuted, they take that serious. Everybody else, you can play games. You can listen to people blab on about all this other stuff. But if they're not pointing you to the word of God and encouraging you to be a disciple, shut them off. Open your Bible and get into it and read it. And we're here to help you with that. And I have friends that are helping you with it as well. So get in touch with us if that's something you want to do. Thank you for sharing this show out with us, for us, wherever you're at, you're sharing it. I appreciate it. Um, and tomorrow night, Bareface will be back with something. I don't know what, but I have another, a very serious appointment to go to tomorrow night. So I won't be here tomorrow night, but, uh, Randall will, uh, so pray for us. If you have prayer requests, send it to us. But most importantly, remember whose you are. Be bold in your faith the way you are. Bold is by knowing what you believe and why and being a disciple. You stand up for what you believe and go with God because he loves you. And never forget that what you're investing in is a person who loves you. He loves you and you will be spending all eternity with him. So why not get to know him better now before you're with him for all eternity? That's how I think about it. So love you guys. I'll see you later.